Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show. This is uh, your guide to better cricket. For a little while, we'll be uh, talking about the greatest game in the world, helping you play it a little bit better or helping you coach it a little bit better. My name's David Hinchliffe. I look after things here and helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garris. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very sunny here today, looking out over a beautiful cricket oval. Lovely. Um, always makes me happy. Secondly, it's the head of cricket performance at Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How's it going? Very well. Just um, just getting some information about about winter programmes. Delighted to uh, tell everyone that we looks like we're probably going to have a bit of help from Ryan Stevenson, who. Um, has been at Hampshire round for the last couple of years. Who's who seems like a nice guy, and will be helping out. And also, um, we're going to have a bit of help from an Ashes winner, Chris Tremlett, as well, which would be nice to get the big lad down. So, um, yeah, very very exciting stuff to try and get some some new people involved and giving giving a few opinions other than my own, which will probably be, be progression. Definitely, bit a bit of twiglet, bit of twiglet, the goober. Yeah, the goober back the in goober. Hampshire, love it. Yeah, and he's like a triple goober now isn't he seen the size of it no 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 I, oh that's there you go so we, he'll be he'll definitely be injured if he has a bowl now we're even more weight going <laughs> down on on his uh, skeleton but uh, no what a top lad um, I think uh, I think you'll have some fun mate believe it or not I think he's put on close to 20 kilos since he stopped playing what he's a big lad I tell you Unbelievable. what a few years ago we had a, did an interview with Ian Brunchweiler of course who you, who you know well and um, mm. he said that um, Tremlett had the most weight on a barbell hip thrust that he's ever seen I thought what a fantastic mm. quote that will, that'll do I'll keep that keep that one in the back pocket yeah, so here, this is properly off topic, but we had a lad here a couple of years ago who was just pushing out unbelievable weights. And my question to our strength and conditioning coaches is, how strong do you need to be to be a fast bowler? Because if he's not gone beyond it, you know, you can't tell me that being able to lift 190 on a on a hip thrust is going to put an extra four mile an hour on you, unless you can tell me that. What you know, there's got to be a ceiling to where he gets to, where that is what he needs to be to be a fast bowler. And and then yeah. speaking speaking with Steph Jones, he would completely agree with that. But you know, all they wanted to do was just push bigger and bigger numbers. But unless it correlates to performance gain, then you're just wasting time in there, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, the the idea is you work through the process. Like you develop muscle mass, then you make that muscle strong, then you make that muscle fast. And a lot of people do miss out the last bit of the loop. So they 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 focus on developing muscle and then dropping down from that, doing twelve reps of a thing to develop muscle to then being strong and lifting kind of uh, six to eight reps and, and and getting real heavy. And then they loop straight back around to the start again and they back go back into muscle gain rather than then dropping down a little bit further and and going into that phase of uh, slightly lighter weight, shifting it more quickly and developing power and developing speed. And, and if you don't do that, then you're not actually producing the things that you set out to produce in the first place, which is speed of delivery um, for a fast bowler or whatever else it might be, depending on the sport. And and that's something people do, they get obsessed with their gym numbers rather than obsessed with their performance state. And Steph has, um, has said himself that he's sort of almost gone full circle with it because obviously when he was when he was playing himself, he was an absolute beast in the gym, wasn't he? And he used to try and put 
Oh, he was a shock. He was a shocker. He was amazing. He used to try and put big numbers on because he'd say, well, you know, that's that's going to get me up from, you know, high 70s to low 90s, please. I'm just going to keep going. But... um, but now he's now he's coaching. He's sort of gone full circle. And he said, "Well, yeah, you, you do have to do that stuff." But it's as you said, Lavis. It's the start, really, rather than the um, rather than the end point. I guess because it's easy. There's a number there, and you can see that number going up. It's quite easy to say to yourself, "Well, I'll, I'll just yeah. keep pushing that number up." Then I, you know. Uh, but yeah, the- it's so you've just got. To, you need to correlate that number with what you're trying to. What you're trying to achieve is speed, not weight, isn't it? So. Like you could say, you're the stronger. We, we've all seen the world's strongest man. It doesn't look like he can bowl fast, does he? Like none of none of those fellas with the Atlas balls look like they're going to push it through above about 45 miles an hour. So <laughs> I would suggest that a little bit more direction and just a little bit of common sense might might kind of redirect some people sometimes. Yeah, it's all about transfer, isn't it? It's not about the. It's not the end goal. Is not the the weight the the. The end goal is transferring that onto the pitch, and you're always going to lose something. But the the less you can lose, well, the better. Saying that, if I could pull a plane, I'd be very happy. Yeah, well, I reckon if a plane was small enough, you could pull it, mate. I'll be honest. And the brakes are off. I reckon you could you could shift that. <laughs> if it was small so, enough, I could obviously. What you said there was if you could pull a plane, you'd be happy. Well, it doesn't matter what size yeah, it is yeah, in, yeah, does yeah. it? A jumbo, uh, yeah, they pull a, I'm sure they pull a jumbo jet. Are we drifting uh, from something here? Yeah, probably not. I think this is about right, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, we can, we can take oh, a listen sure. to this. How, how, in, how important it is to define your goals before you head off into them. It there is, you go. That so, is true. You know, the, I could that is a, true. I could... Could, have pulled, could I pull a full-size jumbo jet? <laughs> then I would be happy, <laughs> even if I couldn't bowl. Even if I couldn't bowl 92 miles an hour. Oh, well, I don't know about I don't know about the brakes being off, but the wheels are definitely off this already, though. Gareth has got stuff to do. Come on. <laughs> Let's uh, let's have a very brief discussion then about the topic because um, the topic this week is on uh, motivation and I'll tell you why that is. It's because we've got our um, player awards dinner tonight and I'll be going to that. I've been um, I've been putting the uh, the tro- the engravings on the trophy today um, of the trophies and uh, I've been thinking to myself, I wonder how important it, those trophies are. I mean, obviously it's good to have them and it's nice to if you win one, it's good to have. But uh, well. In terms of motivating people, where do you think trophies sit? You know, how much how much do people play for the glory? Do you think, and how much do you think people play for for other reasons? Well, I'll give you a view on trophies. I think I think they're dangerous. I'll be completely honest with you, unless they are linked to things that you cannot argue with. I think that they are they're dangerous things. Um, so, for example, we at school, we had this discussion last year, we're having it again before our awards dinner, actually, is, you know, uh, do you give the most improved player? Do you give um, things out for batting awards and, and bowling awards? So we only ever do five wickets and hundreds because you can't you can't argue against them. 
that's it you know they're done and every time somebody gets one they they get a, a cap with uh, five wickets or five dismissals if you're a keeper or uh, or a hundred on it and, and that's we keep it as simple as that because otherwise the element of subjectivity comes into uh, comes into play even with things like averages or aggregate runs you know the argument is well so and so had more opportunity to to get those than, than me and he's always batting number one two or three but you know because we mix the orders up everybody gets the opportunity to potentially score 100 over the course of a season or potentially get five uh, wickets over a season and that sort of takes that away um, and it can be difficult particularly at younger ages with parents so that's my first view on it and second view would be I think irrespective of the fact that the research suggests that the more internal our um, motivation can be, the more sustainable that is, you can't get away from the fact that certain people are turned on and are motivated by um, extrinsic things and uh, things like you know money and prizes and uh, and what have you. You've only got to listen to footballers making you know certain transfers into certain other teams and and inevitably the two things that come up are I'm getting paid more money or um, I've got more opportunity of winning something uh, are the two things that come up so we can't get away from that because that's always going to be there and a lot of people are always going to be motivated by by that but ultimately you know the research suggests that the more we can balance that with an internal uh, motivator the more likely we are to to get fulfillment out of whatever we're we're doing and more more likely we're to get the processes done which ultimately lead lead to that outcome being a successful one and maybe with a cup being lifted above our heads yeah i guess the natural inclination is to you know you look at what's the goal of playing in a in a cricket team you know and most of the time it there's there's something something to win you know it, it might just be the game or it might be a league or a cup but there's pretty much something there some some piece of silverware in some way or another which you're looking to win and so i guess the natural inclination is to say well why wouldn't you go for those external trophies but um really when it comes down to when you ask people what they play for it's very rare especially in a school club that kind of level of cricket it's very rare people say oh i'm, I'm just in it to win the cups Sorry, was that for me? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think most most people play for the enjoyment and, and maybe the slightly more short-term version of that success is they, they enjoy winning um, on the day um, and, and probably very rarely in the lower levels of cricket are they kind of considering the, the long-term objective of, of, of the end of that um, the end of that season and winning the league or winning a cup and, and when that comes along that's a great experience and a great success but it's probably not the the top priority and that probably goes hand in hand with the way a lot of people approach cricket they they'll put their all into that day but they don't plan or, or train necessarily for the whole season at those lower levels and so it's it's very immediate I'll put some work in I'll get some reward out on the day with a victory if I do well and uh, and with a loss if I don't so I think you're probably right there that you people are um motivated slightly differently and and hopefully for a lot of them it's it's that a bit of enjoyment as well and obviously at professional level people will will be very different but for for the majority of people whether they win or lose at sport they still enjoy elements of it yes they'd like to win more often than they lose but they enjoy elements of it I think so 
that's um, that's something that's not going to change. I, I guess the more we can have these in um, internal goals, in addition to those external things, that the more opportunities there are for us to kind of manage our own expectations. The the cup is a thing that ultimately one team's going to win. So however many teams are going to lose and be disappointed, but we've got our own goals we're working to internally and our own little projects. There are a few things we can be achieving along the way. Um, and if we get those right, maybe we get a bit more at the end of it as well. Let's answer some questions now that have been sent in by listeners to the show or perhaps people who uh, read the Pitch Vision website. And how this works is we pick a couple of questions that have been sent in. We do our best to answer those questions and then we pick a prize for the best question of the week, which is an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. You can send in questions for future shows by emailing coach at pitchvision.com. And there's other ways of getting in touch with us, which we'll tell you about towards the end of the show. And the first person who's done this, I have uh, this week, I have christened Little Cricket because uh, they didn't give their name. It came in via email. And um, the question is from Little Cricket. Hi, I've started a cricket school called Little Crickets for boys and girls aged three to seven. I already have 46 children signed up for my next course, which is amazing. Do you have any information on lesson plans or coaching ideas for that age group? Well, first thing for me would be well done on starting it. Well done on having a good start to your programs because you've had good rebookings by the sound of things. So, you know, you've obviously hit a number of the key motivators for that age group on, on the head, really. You know, the, the fun, the progression, because kids like to, to feel that they're improving, um, you know, um, and, and probably a bit of togetherness as well. Because when you when you play cricket amongst, uh, I remember back to when I played when I was a kid, one of the best things was just being part of something, uh, you know, being part of a team or, or a, a program and feeling like you belonged and, and you know those three things for me are, are vitally crucial when you're when you're coaching little ones the other thing is activity and I think that a lot of times when I watch really good sessions of um, very young coaching sessions there's a lot of activity going on there's not too much time where people are sitting uh, and waiting for their go but if they are doing that it's often in a competitive context where they're waiting for their go to do a relay or something like that and it's working towards something so the more you can have either a little bit of competition where people are working together or that they are totally active the better so um, I, I do a lot of when I'm working with kids of, of this age I do a lot of striking and fielding games combined because that keeps people active and keeps people doing different facets of a, of a game for longer so that, that would be one example and obviously with all the different shots that we've got in cricket and all the different places that we can hit the ball in cricket you know you can set up target areas and zones and get fielders to defend those and those are really good ways little sort of mini games to to keep people active but also working on a number of the fundamentals uh, of the game as well and then there's like little fun things that you you can do you know in terms of relay races throwing the ball in different directions throwing the ball to each other working in zigzags with throws getting it back to an end point you can play things like pavilion cricket that we've talked about um, previously which is a fantastic game so look that up online that keeps everybody active and also brings in some fundamental elements of a, of a normal game of cricket which you're obviously working 
working up to some of the best catching drills that I've seen have actually started people catching with bigger shaped balls than the normal cricket ball size I think that's a pretty pretty good thing to do so get them used to if you've got somebody who's struggling then maybe get one of those mini footballs and get them to to catch with it also learning to bowl with a mini football is good as well particularly if you if somebody is throwing it um, which often kids do at this age. If you put a mini football in their hand, then they, it, it encourages them to keep their arms straight so they can control where the ball goes and control the ball in the bowling circle as it as it goes down. And another innovative things is to use their caps to catch the ball if they're unsteady and uncertain about getting in line with the ball. Getting them to catch a tennis ball in their caps gets them used to being in good positioning. Or you can use some of those cones to be the, the catching implement rather than putting their hands there if, if they're struggling to get their position in place so the key thing is to me is activity keeping it fun but also keeping it in line with the game of cricket so they're they're feeling like they're progressing in some of the key skills but they see their brothers their sisters their older people people on telly doing it so there needs to be that connectedness with the with the thing that they're seeing on telly or seeing uh, in the in the older age group that are practicing maybe on the next field this age is a bit is, is a challenge in a way because you know you think oh well you know they they're still developing very basic skills um, movement skills are, are that you know before you're even developing cricket skills you, you're developing basic you know running jumping throwing catching that kind of thing but on the other hand it's it's also a great pleasure to work with kids of that age because the enthusiasm is just so in, infectious and they just enjoy running around for the sake of running around and doing it so I don't, how much how much have you worked with this kind of age group Lavers, and, and what's your experiences with it um not a lot if i'm honest um I, I would have done a little bit in the past years and years ago um and when when i i kind of ran a coaching company we did have things going on for this age group but we had other other guys who, who delivered it who were much more um uh, much better at relating to, to to younger people i would have said than than, than i would have been at the time and and also much better at kind of relation, like understanding what their their goals were, the things that the what does a four year old want to get get out of a session, and that's what they were, the guys were really good at. So, um, yeah, get, getting to grips with that and making a little bit of progress, um, cricket wise, and and I think, as as Gareth said, you you can do lots of things and make it fun, and don't drift away from the fact that it is cricket if you if you can help it. So try and make sure it's as related to that as possible, but include the other things that are really important that parents would like to see, and that's going to be a little bit of social inclusion and um, and communication and, and making friends, which is always important when you're young. Then there's going to be a little bit of physical development from just a kind of like coordination type point of view and um, just controlling your body because at that stage that that's something that's really accelerating, and, and if you can add to that, that's, that's great as well. Um, but also maybe you might want to be thinking about how you communicate and how you hold um, the attention or the um, almost like the discipline of, of the group as well because obviously you don't want to be um, being tough on these children so you've got to make sure that they want to be engaged they want to listen all the time the way you speak is offering something that they really want to be part of all the time so um, yeah keep Keeping it as keeping it as fun as you can, but really making sure that you're you're still achieving a few things that are not only going to be useful to them, useful from the parents' point of view because they're the ones that put them on the courses and they're the ones that bring them back, etc. Um, but and also useful to their their cricket specific development 
which even though how small a thing seems, remember that a lot of them are arriving with, with nothing. So the smallest thing can be a big learning, uh, learning event for them and that can be a big kind of exciting thing for them to achieve. They, they catch a ball that's been, they throw, I don't know, six inches up in the air. If they can do that and catch it, that might be the first time they've ever caught a ball. So just be realistic with the things you're trying to achieve and make sure there's a bit of achievement in there rather than pitching it a little bit too high and it just becoming difficult because it's not always easy to deal with failure, especially when you're at that age. We say, um, especially at that age, coaching is easy because you just throw a tennis ball up in the air and come back 45 minutes later. I don't. I think it's quite that easy, but um, it, it is something where you don't have to, you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to. You don't have to sort of coach it in the traditional way we think about coaching. It's about, as you guys have been saying, it's about lots of activity, lots of opportunities to learn, and then sort of get out of the way. Basically, let them let them learn because you know they're just at that age. They're just machines that just soak up learning, movement learning, so quickly. And if you just let them, if you just let them do it, so. Yeah, get on with it, <laughs> as you say, Garris. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, you're right. You don't have to plan it. I think, I think what the best people do, though, the best coaches at that age group, especially when they're working with people that they don't know, is they get a sense of where the group is, and then they they sort of flex a little bit around what they're what they're doing over the course of the, the session that they're they're working on or maybe a couple of sessions and 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 that comes from experience a little bit and, and I think um, uh, it, it's great some of this stuff that's being done with young coaches now but I, I would encourage young coaches that's looking to specialize in working with the the younger player the you know the four to seven or age group is to go along and watch one of the masters of that age group go and work because you can pick up so much uh, by watching you know a really good coach of that age group because it is completely different as Sam alluded to in his discussion you know he hadn't had a huge amount of experience about it initially and, and worked alongside some people that, that were were more uh, experienced and, and maybe more um, motivated at the time to work with that group but it's a fascinating thing to watch top quality practitioners with that age group from four to seven because ultimately they are the people that that hook those kids in early don't they you know certainly thinking back to my my time is uh, from that moment where i was hooked in by a couple of coaches that was it i was there for life next question is from om and om says my height is 189 centimeters during my bowling run-up, I take very long strides. How can I shorten my strides? I saw Mohamed Shami and other bowlers, and they took short strides while running. How can I do it? I suppose the answer is, do you need to, or is it just a case of looking at somebody who you admire, like Shami or other guys, and uh, and thinking that um, you'd, you'd like to have a go at that because they're good at... You know, some people have their stride pattern and the frequency that you put your feet down is, is quite is individual, really. Um, so people, some people run in with a high frequency, which means that there's a, a lot of foot taps in, a, in, in the same amount of time. But it would take other people to uh, apparently lope their way through that 10 meter uh, by maybe having less foot contact. So we've all got our own individual way of doing that. And you've only got to watch 
top quality sprinters to, to work that out and I think years ago we always thought that that was geared towards uh, height and length of, of leg really and uh, but it isn't quite as simple as that because even some of the tallest bowlers in the world um, have slightly shorter strides and, and some of the shorter guys have what seem to be quite long strides for their height but it works for them so do you really need to change your stride or is it something you're just looking at with, with somebody like Mamish Shami and thinking uh, I admire that person so that would be the first question but if it is something you, you, you do need to do it's often linked to feeling stretched at the crease um, and, and often it comes from bowling a few no balls as well um, so a bit of advice Alan Mullally used to play for Leicestershire Hampshire and, and played for England left arm seam bowler gave to a number of the younger bowlers that were struggling with um, rhythm and struggling with uh, hitting the front line was instead of taking your mark back because it often means that you end up trying to reach the line even more um, try and take an inch off of each stride and of course in those days when he was given that advice it was very much a feel based thing but now we can quantify it and measure it using using video so if you can get down to a running track or if you can get a, um, a 10 or 20 meter um uh, measure out you know one of those tapes out and stick some cones at certain intervals and watch yourself on video you will see whether you are able to take off that little increment of distance every single time in order to give you a better feeling of rhythm and, and hit the front line so um, you know that's where technology now is good you can link old school stuff like uh, you know measuring tapes and cones in with um, some new new uh, modern day video camera stuff to really get a precise and specific answer to Alan Mullally's questions from the mid-1990s. Yeah, so Lavers, like with a lot of these things, if, if you are looking at someone, sort of admiring someone's um, technical prowess in anything, you're batting, bowling, fielding, and you think, I wonder if that would work for me, there is that that idea of, well, you know, just go and try it and see what happens. Um, you, you're not going to know unless you try it. So rather than thinking too much about it and putting in a... a you know, a 16-week plan into place before you even had a go. Maybe just get out there and, and try running with a short stride and see what happens. Yeah, there, there are certain things that people will just drop into and they'll go, wow, that suddenly this is me and this is what works for me. Um, but there are other things that very quickly you'll get the, get an idea that this isn't going to work, it doesn't suit me. Um, and actually what I've got at the moment is, is pretty effective, so I don't need to do it. But, the, but going and trying something, is, is there's nothing wrong with that at all. And, and I, I, that's what everyone did when they were young cricketers, didn't they? They'd all try and mimic their their heroes and whoever it was, whether it was uh, someone running in and trying to copy a certain bowler or someone trying to get uh, the kind of snap and backswing of Brian Lara or that kind of thing and or, 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 or stand and bat like Shannon. People like Shannon, people would do different things and subsequently they would find out different ways that things that suit them and and that's a, a really good thing to do go and try it out see if it works but like you said just because someone does it and it's and it works for them doesn't mean it will work for you so you haven't got to commit to it and it might be that your hero is um oh well it could could be anyone in the world but just because they're your hero doesn't mean you have to mirror them and be like them because their body type their way of moving etc might just not suit the way you move and the way you're you're put together so um have a go at it try things try and experiment with the way you move experiment with the way you bowl the way you bat 
but don't think you have to commit to something because it works for someone who's very good because if if you look at all the guys in test cricket there are so many different ways of bowling so many different ways of batting that are all productive to uh, to uh, obviously a, a pretty high level so don't pigeon pigeonhole yourself and say this is what I ha- the way I have to do it the way you have to do it really is the way that works best for you and go and have a look at all those guys out there and, and try a few things from all of them and and you might uh, discover something along the way that makes you uh, a little bit better and hopefully um, enjoy the game a little bit more and I think that's fun as well in that you can you can look at new theories and you can look at new ideas and you can look at things from a different angle and you don't have to throw yourself into it and go well if I finally found the perfect answer you know you can experiment you can mess around you can say to yourself okay well that doesn't work for me as the way I thought it did so I'll forget about that but you know maybe it works for others in that way and that way I guess it opens your mind to possibilities rather than searching for perfection all the time and then sort of cutting things off in that search for perfection you can um, you can hunt for perfection of course you can but uh, you never you'll never achieve it so you know you must keep you must keep looking and so you know if you find that if you find that little thing that can help you and then you reject it immediately because it's you know it's not what you perceive to be for perfection then you're going to be in trouble but if you can you know on a wider picture you know if you can keep your eyes open for these things then you'll never know what you'll find and that is all we've got time for on the show this week uh, we are about to leave but before we do that we're just going to decide on the winner of this week's competition the online coaching course from pitch vision academy at pitchvision.com that's what's up for grabs and the two questions that are in the running for it this week are little crickets question about uh, three to seven year old cricketers and om's question about his bowling run-up stride which one did you prefer this week garris I'm going to go a little cricket, I think. It's fantastic that we've got uh, coaches that are yeah. motivated and keen and, and putting things together for such a young uh, age group because, you know, if we can start them that young and get them hooked into the game, uh, then hopefully we'll give them a lifelong experience within the game as both a, a player, maybe a coach or administrator, and definitely as a spectator. Um, so fantastic work from the little cricket, and uh, let's know how you go. Yeah, please get back to us. Let us know what's happening, and uh, and uh, maybe there's a, a couple of future international stars hiding in there. You never know. Gareth, if someone was listening to the show right now and wanting to send their question in, what's the best way they can get in touch with us? They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's correct. There are other ways to get in touch with us. You can reach us through pitchvision.com, of course, by heading over there and using the messaging system. We are Pitchvision Academy. We've got an account there, as you would imagine. So you can contact us that way. You can also get us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy is where we hang out there. And on Twitter at pitchvisionacad. If you want to listen to the show every week, you can do that by subscribing. That's free. And you can do that by going to any podcast app, doing a search for Pitch Vision Academy. You can find us in there. Just tap or click on subscribe and away you go there. And if you want to get the show notes, you want to get previous shows, you want to stream the show or download the show directly from our website, you can do all, all that at pitchvision.com slash academy. Pitchvision.com slash academy. And click on the podcast link for all the details. That's all for this week. We hope you listen next week. But until then, have a good week. Cheers, Garris. Cheers, Lavers. Cheers, all. Cheers, guys. <laughs>